Welcome to the Prophetic Collective Podcast. My name is Stacey and I'm so excited that you are joining me for season two of this podcast where we talk all things living a prophetic life. We have so many great conversations coming up, all purpose to equip and inspire you and to get you thinking about how God might be speaking to you and through you today. Yes, you. So let's go. Welcome to the Prophetic Collective Podcast Season 2. To kick off this brand new season, we are going on an 11 episode journey where we answer one of life's most defining questions. What is worship to you? Is it slow songs during a church service? Is it only for people who can sing? What if worship was more than a song and more than an experience within the four walls of the church? What if there was more to worship even than what we have experienced so far? What if we could unlock the fullness of worship and see it transform our everyday lives? These are the questions that Stacey tackles in her first book, Worship Is. These are also the questions we will tackle in this collection. And available to you today, as valued listeners of the Prophetic Collective, is a very special offer. Head to stacyhillier.com and purchase your very own copy of Worship Is using the code Prophetic Collective, all in caps, and you will get free express postage. Also available to podcast listeners is a free workbook that you can complete as you join in this Worship Is collection. Designed to be used with both the book and podcast collection, you can download your free copy at stacyhillier.com under the free resources tab. Well, hi, everybody, and welcome back. So as we continue in this series or collection, you will know by now that we're following on the journey of captioning what worship is. I've posed the question to you, what is worship to you? We're looking at scripture for what worship is. I'm sharing what worship's been in my life. My friends are sharing what it is in their life. Most importantly, we are looking at what we see in the pages of the Bible. And for those who are following along in the book, today we're tackling chapter two. Now, I want to mention here that the foundation of why we're looking at worship in such detail on this podcast called The Prophetic Collective, which is all about living a prophetic life, is this. You cannot live a prophetic life if we do not first live a life laid down in worship to Jesus. Let me say that again. We cannot live a prophetic life if we do not first live a life laid down in worship to Jesus. We have to remember we're called to live all of our lives as an act of worship. So this collection isn't just for musicians and singers. In fact, I feel like the church gets really ripped off when we think of worship only as the songs. It is so much more than that. This is for every believer. But this collection, focusing on worship, is actually especially important for those who want to grow in the prophetic. I love to say it this way. Don't chase the gift because the prophetic is a gift. Chase the gift giver. In other words, prioritize intimacy a lifestyle of worship before you chase the prophetic life. The prophetic life, I believe, will take care of itself and be a natural result of your intimacy with Jesus if you choose to simply love and serve God with all of our hearts, our soul, 
and our mind as our number one priority. You see, when we live in intimacy with Jesus, we hear his voice all the time. And the prophetic is hearing God's voice, receiving revelation from heaven, and then reporting it here on earth. We can't live a prophetic life without living in intimacy, without laying our lives down in worship. Now, when it came to writing this book, I actually sat down with a blank page, a blank piece of paper, and in the middle, I wrote the words, worship is. That's what I felt like the Lord told me to title the book. And then I just began to brainstorm and just mind map out what worship was to me. And one of the very first responses or captions that I wrote, thinking back over my life and thinking through scripture was, worship is a weapon. Worship is a weapon for every believer. And I have seen time and time again in both my life, as I have led corporate worship, as I've journeyed life with my friends and with my family, even as I read scripture, that worship is one of the most underrated and underutilized spiritual weapons that we have been provided as believers. And often this is because we believe the lie, the subtle accusation, the manipulation of the enemy that if you can't sing or you can't play an instrument, you can't pick up this weapon or even the subtle manipulation or distortion of the enemy that worship is just a song. Worship is your life biblically. And this is a weapon that is available to every single believer. You know, in 2017, I had the absolute privilege of going to India and I took with me a team of creatives. I took musicians, photographers, dancers, singers, and I also got to take my 14-year-old son, Noah. Now, at the final stages of this trip, we got to spend the day. We were out in um, a very remote area of India and we were visiting a children's home. It is one of the most incredible places and things I've ever seen, ministries I've seen in my life. And I have so much respect for the Australian, Australian lady who actually used to be the bank manager of our church who went to India once and then God laid this dream on her heart to establish this children's school and home. And so we got to go and visit it. And to take my 14-year-old son there was just so incredible. So I want you to imagine with me Meryl Streep in the movie Out of Africa, right? She's like cruising around Africa in the back of a land cruiser. Well, replace Meryl Streep with me. Here I was like windswept hair. Okay, that might be an exaggeration. I was a mess by the end of two weeks in India, a red hot mess actually. Sitting in the back of the land cruiser and we were taken around for several hours by the team to tour uh, villages in the local area where our church had actually sunk some water wells, where the team would often visit. They do medical checks. They also open what are called literacy centers in the villages. And they place uh, teachers in those villages who operate out of these literacy centers and teach the children to read and write. Now, we were the guests of honor at a particular village this day amongst coffee plantations. It was incredible, right? You could see these coffee plants everywhere. I was like, why is it that can, I cannot get a good coffee here, but there are coffee plantations all around me. But hey, I digress. Back to the story. So we're the guests of honor at this village this day for the opening of a brand new literacy center. 
Let me give you a visual picture of what these literacy centers look like. They are a concrete slab on the ground with a tin roof above it. And on the back of it, they have a tiny room where the teacher lives and sleeps on the floor. And then they teach underneath this tin roof right there amongst the coffee plantations at the back of the village, which also has a water well at the front that has been sunk by this same team called Jacob's Well. It is truly incredible. So we roll up to this village. Here I am, Meryl Streep in the back, hair flying out the windows, loving life, and my son by my side. And the lady that I mentioned who started this ministry leans over and says to me, now, I should warn you, last time we were here, we were actually chased out by some of the villagers holding guns in their hands. But don't don't stress. Everything's going to be okay. Going to be fine. Um, we've resolved everything since then. And they're happy that we're here to open the literacy center. Now, that's not quite what you want to hear as you enter a village. But I was so keen to see what God was doing that I kind of swallowed my fear. And off we went. So the opening of this literacy center looked like these special grass mats being laid out on either side underneath the shelter, one side where all the men sat, and then the other side where all the women and the children sat, and they were facing one another. Then at the front of the shelter were special grass mats for the um, starter of this beautiful ministry. Her name is Joan, myself, and my son, Noah. We were sitting in the place of honor. So we sit down for this grand opening where and all of a sudden, out of the coffee plantation, trees and bushes, we hear this voice. This man, he's yelling. I can't understand a word he's saying, but I knew that he was not saying good things by the looks on the men's and the women's faces under the shelter. So he emerges from the bushes, just yelling what was clearly obscenity. And the atmosphere immediately just became so unsettled and the men and the women began to yell at one another across the shelter as this man continued to, he began to weep, he was screaming, he was so agitated and so disturbed and I'm sitting there thinking, oh my goodness, the guns are going to come out again, I'm going to be on the news back in Australia, killed in a coffee plantation without having had a good coffee in about a week, so not looking great, and that's going to be my headline. <laughs> and then the matriarch, uh, Joan, leans over and she says to me, Stacy, quickly get up and sing. And I looked at her like, how can that be what you are thinking of doing right now? Like surely you are packing heat and you've brought a gun in, in case to protect me. But no, instead she says, quickly stand up and sing. So I stand up to my feet, all this yelling and chaos is still going on and I start to sing the first thing that comes to my mind. Now you might be listening today going, oh yep, she is going to bust out in the Rocky theme. She is going to bust out in I of the Tiger to try and, you know, show that I'm big and brave. No, I busted out in you are the weather again. Yep, so Christian, right? So I begin singing What a Beautiful Name. And as I start, people kind of look at me like, lady, what are you doing? Remember, they can't understand a word I'm saying. But as I continue to sing the lyrics of What a Beautiful Name, the screaming begins to stop. The man at the end of the bush, the edge of the bushes, comes over to the shelter. He stops screaming and he begins to weep. He crumples down on the ground and he was wearing nothing but a cloth nappy. <laughs> So that was a sight to behold, but hey, lift your eyes to Jesus and just keep on singing, girlfriend. So I kept on singing. By the time I got to You Have No Rival, 
you have no equal. Now and forever, God, you reign. You could have heard a pin drop. You can hear the breeze in the background as it flows through the coffee trees. Silence amongst the villagers, except for this man weeping at the name of Jesus. And so I finish and I sit down, kind of trying to process what had just happened. I just sang that song in the middle of nowhere. Could have been a gun at the back of my head. Wouldn't have known. But look what God did. Processing that he brought chaos to peace. And again, Joan, the matriarch, leans over to me and says, by the way, it's illegal to say the name of Jesus in this state. You can go to jail for that. I'm like, oh, cool. Can you sing it? She's like, absolutely not. <laughs> so here I am like, great, I'm going to be on the news now for going to jail. But you know what? As I reflect on it and think about it, maybe that was the very first time those people heard the name Jesus and it brought them to peace. It brought the spiritual atmosphere to complete peace. How incredible and powerful is the name of Jesus? And you see, when we choose to worship, when it's the last thing that seems to be appropriate or the last thing we feel like doing, we engage with one of the most powerful and effective spiritual weapons of warfare that has been made available to us. I didn't sound great. I was terrified. I didn't have any instruments backing me. I was trying to sing over the sound of shouting. None of that mattered. What mattered was that I was worshipping in the midst of the chaos and people's bondages were set free with the name of Jesus. Side note, how can a nation be set free from their bondage without the name of Jesus? Can you pause now? And pray for India because there's a lot going on there right now. And it's becoming um, less and less legal in more and more states for Jesus to be preached, the gospel to be preached, for his name to be confessed. But I got to see firsthand in that situation what Paul writes in Philippians 2, 9 to 11. I'm reading from the Passion Translation. That Jesus, because of that obedience, that God exalted him and multiplied his greatness. He's now being given the greatest of all names. And the authority of the name of Jesus causes every knee to bow in reverence. Everything and everyone will one day submit to this name in the heavenly realm, in the earthly realm, and in the demonic realm. And every tongue will proclaim in every language that Jesus Christ is Lord Yahweh, bringing glory and honor to God, his Father. And I saw it happen in that Indian village when I thought I was all Meryl Streep, but really underneath I was just a terrified little Aussie girl who all I knew how to do was lift up the name of Jesus and it brought everything to peace because worship is a weapon. Now we know from another of Paul's writings, this time to the church in Ephesus, in chapter 6 verse 12, Paul writes, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We've all read that before. We know we're in a spiritual battle. But have you thought about this? The only authority Satan has legally in our lives is the authority we give him by agreeing with his accusations and lies. 
Let me say that again. The only authority Satan has legally in your life and in my life is the authority we give to him by agreeing with his accusations and lies. Listen to this quote from Bill Johnson. He says, Satan is limited in every way. God gave him his gifts and abilities at his own creation. There has never been a battle between God and Satan. The entire realm of darkness could be forever wiped out with a word. But God chose to defeat him through those made in his own likeness, those who would worship by choice. When you are in the midst of a battle in your life and you worship by choice, you overcome the enemy. Worshipping in the midst of the battle ensures we retain our spiritual position of authority which Christ has purchased for us and that Satan remains in his rightful position which is underneath our feet. Now, Satan was known as Lucifer in the Old Testament. And amongst the Canaanites and in many historical documents that were written about the time is the story of Lucifer's fall. Now, we understand it to be covered in Isaiah 14, 12, but it actually takes researching documents around Scripture to understand what is alluded to in Scripture in all its fullness. Now, Lucifer was the morning star that attempted to rise high above the clouds and to establish himself on the mountain where the gods assembled. And his dream was to be the highest god, the most exalted god, to become the ruler of the world. And so God had to deal with Satan. And so Bible tells us that he cast Satan out of heaven. Now, Jesus himself testified to this in Luke 10, 18, when he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And this was also revealed to John on the island of Patmos in Revelation 12, 19. John describes what he saw in a vision that the dragon or the serpent was thrown down. Now, Isn't it interesting to note that Satan wanted for himself that which belongs to God alone, our worship. And you and I have been involved in the spiritual war for our worship since that moment. You see, Satan's entire role description, his delegation is to steal, kill, and destroy. You can read that in John 10. He can't do anything outside of that. All he can do, his nature is to steal, kill, and destroy. And if he can deceive us into believing that worship's just for church, that worship's just for the great singers, that it's just for the musicians, just for the emotional, the expressive people, he can deceive us into believing that one of the greatest weapons you and I have is not important. He can get us to lay our weapon down. Do you know that you may be facing a wall or a war in your life right now that can only be won by worship? Pause and think about that for a moment. What if you're not seeing the desired result in your life because you're using the wrong weapon? Again, using this weapon is not contingent on how well you sing. I surely didn't sing well that day but that you respond in faith to the war that we are all in by declaring the goodness of God and his faithfulness despite what your eyes may see in the natural. Let's think for a moment about King Jehoshaphat in scripture. 
In 2 Chronicles 20, we get a glimpse into the character of this king who was a brilliant worshipper, but maybe not in the way that we would think. Let's look at it together. So we've got this king and we're getting a glimpse into his character because he was faced uh, with a war against several invading nations, not just one, several. And the men approached Jehoshaphat to tell him of the incoming invasion. And the word actually describes to us that he was afraid. And what he did with his fear was he set his face to seek the Lord and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. So here we find a man, a king, with huge responsibilities. He was facing one of the biggest challenges of his reign. And his response to the fear he felt was to seek the face of the Lord. He didn't hang his head and agree with accusation, fear and doubt. He didn't get amongst the fear of his, of his advisors. Instead, he set his face to the Lord. And as the people of Judah, they gathered together at Solomon's temple and they entered a corporate fast. This was their worship response. Jehoshaphat didn't begin by saying, okay, we're all here now, we're all fasting, flip, we are in big trouble here. Instead, what he did was he worshipped. He understood that once he got himself in the presence of God, he would be reminded of his headship and his fears wouldn't stand a chance. So he literally exemplified for us Psalm 100 verse 3, which says to enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. He began to list out and to remember God's faithfulness and to exalt him over the reality that was staring him down. Now we visited in our last, uh, our very first foundational introductory episode of Worship is Biblical that the Old Testament word halal means to praise. And it's the act of listing and celebrating the positive attributes or actions of God. Well, this is exactly what Jehoshaphat did. Here he has several nations coming against him. He gathers the people, sets his face to God, even though he felt fearful, and he begins to list out and celebrate the positive attributes or actions of God. Then, when he had built this atmosphere of faith, he began to petition. And he says this in 2 Chronicles 20, 12. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And this little statement set Jehoshaphat up for a miracle that God was about to perform on his behalf. You see, in the same way, when our situation is screaming at us to fix our eyes on what is happening in the natural the breakthrough is set in motion when we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, using the weapon of praise. And so here in an atmosphere with all the people gathered, an atmosphere charged with faith as he engaged in halal, the prophetic guidance comes, the prophetic guidance that Jehoshaphat was seeking. And the prophet comes and says, stand firm, hold your position and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. And once he receives that prophetic message, Jehoshaphat worships again. He bowed his head with his face to the ground and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And then the word says in verse 19 of 2 Chronicles 20, the Levites of the Kothites and Korahites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. 
And so here we see another definition we talked about in Worship Was Biblical, hawa, which is to bow down in worship, reverence and respect. So here they are, fearful, invading nations, several coming towards them. They set their face to God. They list out his attributes, his faithfulness. The prophetic word comes in the atmosphere of faith and their response to the prophetic is not to panic, not to fear about what they're going to have to do, but to bow down in worship. And this atmosphere went from glory to glory because the most skilled and excellent worship band of the day, the Levites, got up and began to lead the congregation in praise. And you see, when we choose to do this, when we're facing the biggest battle of our lives, the same thing happens that happened in this biblical story. God will begin moving powerfully in our lives and the miracle gets set in motion because God just can't resist that kind of worship. And so as I read this passage, I ask some questions. How did they manage this kind of outrageous faith in the midst of the largest battle they'd ever faced? I actually suspect, just like you and I, like me in India, they did it scared at first. And then as they stepped out, God took their mustard seed of faith and he grew it into something that looked more like a praise party where everyone danced on the devil's head. I Love it. But it keeps on getting better because they head out into battle early the next morning and with their instructions received through the prophet. So they're there in a place called the wilderness of Tekoa and Jehoshaphat gives them the heavenly and yet earthly illogical strategy. He says, believe the prophets and you will succeed. And then he appoints those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him. And they went before the army singing, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. What happened is as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the invading nations of Ammon, Moab and Seir who'd come against Judah. And so Jehoshaphat armed his people not with weapons of earthly warfare such as shields, swords or strategy, but he gave them a song. He sent the worshippers out at the head of the army in front of the most skilled soldiers and commanders. I mean, think about that for a moment. He sent the singers before the rest of the army lifting a song of thanksgiving and praise. And then his supernatural intervention was released. Now, some theologians believe that when the word describes here the ambush, that God set, as the worshippers sang, that there were angels who came in human form whose sudden appearance caused panic and confusion against their enemies. Others believe that amongst these multiple tribes and nations that were coming against the Lord's chosen, Jealousies and animosities sprung up, which led them to turn on one another. Either way, confusion reigned. Now, this is really important. You see, whenever God's people choose to lift a song of praise amidst amidst fear and opposition, it confuses the enemy, whether that be Satan or whether that be a vast army. And the confusion leads to defeat in the enemy's camp where the worshippers focus on the goodness of God brings victory. You see, Satan cannot understand it when you and I worship in the midst of a war because he couldn't do it. Ooh, that's good. In Acts 16, we actually see another powerful example of the supernatural power of worship. This New Testament example, we find Paul and Silas, they're confined in a maximum security jail They're bound in stocks and chained to the wall. They'd been beaten. So here they are, midnight, 
in jail, in pain, sore, bruised, broken, (laughs) unable to move due to restraints. And what do they do? They pray and they sing hymns. They worship. Seems illogical, doesn't it? And what happens is that their worship literally pulls God's presence into their prison cell. And God finds their faith stance and confession so irresistible. And suddenly an earthquake shakes the foundations of the prison so that the doors were open, their restraints were smashed to smithereens, the roof didn't collapse. I mean, that's natural, right? And everybody, not just Paul and Silas, all the prisoners were set free. You know, the the word, there's another word used in the New Testament that we talked about in worship is biblical to describe our worship of God. And it's the word proskuneo. It's made up of two words, two words, pros and kaneo. We find this in John 4 when Jesus describes the type of worship the Father seeks. And it actually means to kiss towards. It paints a word picture of a dog licking his master's hand with affection. And the the noun, proskunites, is an adoring worshipper. As Paul and Silas decided to sing to God and to worship him, to kiss towards their God in the darkest hour of the night, to adore him despite their physical situation, it was irresistibly endearing to the heart of God. Not only that, it was repulsive to their enemy who had attempted to steal, kill and destroy to get them to agree with his accusations that all was lost, that Jesus had abandoned them. Instead, he tried to sow this accusation. I mean, they delivered a girl from demonic oppression. Jesus had commissioned them to do that. And the enemy was trying to enslave them in prison for freeing her. And so here, Satan had to witness them not blaming God, not agreeing with his accusations, but lifting their faces to kiss towards their Savior. I love it. One more final biblical example. You know, there's a reason that the barren woman, who was a metaphor for the desolate and uninhabited city of Zion, was commanded to sing. You know, famous passage, Isaiah 54 one to two, where it says, sing, O barren woman who did not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not been in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of her who is married, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. Let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. I want you to notice here that in verse two, The barren woman is commanded metaphorically to add on an extra room in her home that is achingly empty. Here she is. She's got no children and God's saying, put another room in your house. (laughs) God had promised his people that salvation and restoration would come to them. How did they make room for this victory in their lives and hearts? He said, sing, barren woman. Singing, worshipping is the key to your breakthrough. You see, we've looked at three biblical examples. I've given you an example from my life. When you and I lift up a song of worship, despite what our eyes see, despite what the doctor's report says, despite what you find yourself imprisoned by, despite the army that's coming against you, we make room in our life for the fulfillment of the promises God has made to us. We make room in our lives for the fulfillment of the prophetic declarations he's made over us. We defeat the enemy of fear, 
doubt and disappointment when we lift up a song of faith and focus on who God is rather than the obstacles we face. We do what Jehoshaphat did. I don't know what to do, but I fix my eyes on you and I lift a song of faith. And then our enemy is left confused and God cannot help but invade our heart, our life, our situation with his manifest presence that always brings victory because worship is a weapon. And so I have a question for you today. Will you use it? Maybe your breakthrough is just waiting on the other side of a song lifted in faith to God, even if you're tone deaf. Maybe it's on the other side of putting your head below your heart, bowing in worship. That's hawa. Put your head below your heart. Put your logic in submission to your heart connection with God and bow in worship. Maybe it's on the other side of making a joyful noise of worship and thanks to him. Maybe it's on the other side of beginning to halal, listing out, even though logically it doesn't seem like that's the right thing to do. Sitting in your cubicle at work, I thank you, God, because you have been good to me. I praise you, Jesus, because you are victorious. Maybe it's singing a song before you have anything or anyone to fill the rooms in your home. Maybe you're grieving the loss of a child, another miscarriage. Maybe you're facing a report of barrenness. Sing, O barren woman. Because here's what I learned in India and what I see in my Bible. Lifting up a song of worship when you don't know what else to do, when you feel completely awkward, when you don't think you can sing, is an act of warfare that disarms, confuses, and defeats the enemy. So have you got a song? I really pray that this has encouraged you today. And if you're doing the workbook, you'll notice that this week we invite you to reflect on any personal battles you're facing right now, that you may have a prophetic solution that includes worship as your weapon. You'll also see that we've provided a contemplative practice for you to go a little bit deeper. So make sure you check out the workbook. You can download that at stacyhillier.com forward slash free dash resources. Now, next week, we come to the chapter that I have had the most feedback on. It's the chapter Worship is Freedom. It's going to be a banger. Hey, thanks again for subscribing, rating and reviewing. I am so grateful for you. And I believe that today, in the coming week, until we speak again, when you find yourself in the midst of the battle, you'll remember this. You'll lift your praise. You'll lift your halal. Maybe you'll bow, put your logic below your heart, make a connection with your lover, Jesus, an intimate uh, connection, and you will see breakthrough in your life. The enemy will flee because he cannot get your agreement and you will defeat him. That's it from me today, and I cannot wait to join you next week. Bye. know that Stacy also has a guided prayer podcast. Contemplative prayer is a rich, deep and rewarding way to encounter Jesus and the scriptures. With instrumental scores written to empower your encounters with Jesus, these prayers are a chance to be still and to step out of the hustle of today's fast-paced world. Available wherever you get your podcasts by searching Guided Prayers with Stacey Hillier.